Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Um, the title of, of the series is God in the Shadows, and I, I'm so sorry, but I just could not help myself. So the three points we're going to be looking at tonight <laughs> are God in the Shadows, God in the Foreshadows, see what I did there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm and us under the shadow of his wing. So those are our three main points, and we're going to get to them. But let's start by reading Scripture together. So reading Ruth chapter 2 from verse 1 to 13, and it'll be in the ESV version. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She's the foreigner. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell down on her face, bowing to the ground, and she said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge." Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So um, it's kind of, because we know the story and we know how it goes, we can kind of forget that this was real people in real vulnerable unknown, confusing circumstances. And, and so just keep that in mind as we, as we go through the story. Real people struggling through real events of life. And so our first main point is God in the shadows. Um, and Boyd Lutter says it this way. He just summarizes it so beautifully. He says, Ruth 2 takes place predominantly in the backdrop of a Bethlehem barley field and masterfully weaves together the lives of three ordinary people and one extraordinary God, who is purposefully, providentially working out his redemptive plan for all of mankind in the ordinary events of life. The event that occurs in this otherwise seemingly humdrum 24-hour day will prove to have eternal, extraordinary consequences. 
And I love it. They're just regular people going about a regular day, putting one foot in front of the other, having no real understanding of the largeness of what's at play. Um, and Ruth is just, she's fantastic. She's unentitled, she's industrious, she's faithful, she's humble. I doubt Ruth woke up that morning with this clear understanding of what she needed to do for that day. I doubt that. But she, gets, she says to Naomi, may I go? And she just puts one foot in front of the other. She just does the next thing that's in front of her. And what we see that is in, in Ruth just taking the next step, doing the next thing that's required, there's a God at work, a God behind the scenes working with ordinary people. Um, and the story has a lot of coincidences. Um, she just happened to be on his field. It says, she happened to be on the field that belonged to Boaz. Look at that, you guys. It happened to be the time of harvest, and Ruth happened to land up in Boaz's field. There's no way she could have planned for that. That wasn't careful strategy or um, forethought on her part. It, the scripture gives no indication that she even knew Boaz existed. And let me tell you, there was no, okay, Siri, take me to the field of Boaz in those days. She just happened to end up in the field. And actually, the, the phrasing of the scripture is, um, is set up for hyperbole. It's like, as luck would happen, have it, she happened by coincidence to end up in this field. It's kind of this exaggerated sense so that we can see, oh, hang on, there's something else going on here. So she happens to be in his field. Boaz happens to visit that field that day. It says, Boaz returned from Bethlehem and he greets his workers. And we know, Scripture tells us that Boaz was a man of standing, a man of wealth and influence. This was not the only place he had to be that day, but he happened to be in that field at that day. And then he happened to notice her. Yeah, he, did. <laughs> he says to his, um, his overseer, whose young woman is that? Um, it was a time for reaping. Now, we don't live in agricultural societies, but those of you who've seen movies or perhaps lived in the Midwest, you know that when it's time for reaping, everybody's out there, all the people doing all the things. It's not like there was just sporadic people in the field. There were people. And Boaz, as we can see from this story, was following an injunction that God set up in Leviticus to care for the poor. So God made made way for the poor to be cared for in how he instructed um, them to go about sowing and harvesting. And so there would have been plenty of gleaning that day, but he happens to notice her. And when we look at this, all these happened to coincidences, um, we can see the providential hand of God at work. But remember, we're looking at it from a different vantage point. It's much easier to see the hand of God at work in retrospect and it's much easier to see it in the lives of somebody else. That's just the way it works. But God is at work in the lives of ordinary people, whether we can always see it or not. There's a story that happened to um, us uh, quite a while ago, but it just, every now and then, it just kind of floats through my mind, and I think about it because of, of what it makes me think about. <laughs> so Nick and I were driving back. We'd been to visit... Um, a Boys Town at-risk facility, and it, we were coming back. It was a very kind of um, windy, mountainy, one-lane road. Um, and we decided we'd stop at a little 7-Eleven, get a drink, which we never do. We just happened to stop that day. And uh, these were the days when you, you had to ring the, the price up, you know, by pushing the keys. 
2.23, you know, and there's no scanner. The lady did it wrong. She had to call some whatever. We lost about five minutes of our day. And we got back in the car, and we drove around. And as we came around the corner, there was this huge, big old truck that had tipped coming around the corner, slid across the road. The wheels were till, still turning. The guy was climbing out of his cab. I mean, we just looked at each other, and we were like, five minutes. And it would have looked very different for us coming around that corner. And that, every now and then I just remember, I'm like, because I had a glimpse of the providential hand of God at work. And I wonder often, how many of those things happen today that I just didn't glimpse, that I just didn't understand, that I didn't see evidence of the providential hand of God at work? Um, And it's hard to know the extent of what God is up to. I doubt these guys, I doubt Boaz and Ruth and Naomi at the end of their days even fully understood what God was doing. So the um, providence of God is at work. It's in the shadows sometimes. Um, Thomas Watson says this. He's a Puritan writer, and he says, there's no such thing as chance or blind fate, but there is providence which guides and governs the world. Providence is God's ordering all the outcomes and the events of all things after the counsel of his will to his own glory. Providence is basically saying that God is sovereign, that God is all-knowing, all-good, and he makes no mistakes. That is what providence is saying. God upholds, God governs, God directs everything to their appointed end. He rules over, he redeems over, and he sanctifies all things. And he does it all for our good and his glory. Um, and this, this idea of providence and sovereignty, my goodness, it's, it's bigger than I can, I can wrap my head or hands around But what it does do is give me an incredible sense of security Um, because I know that my deepest afflictions, my deepest afflictions will be redeemed, that God will bring good out of where evil was meant. Like in the story of Joseph, that's what God does. So my deepest afflictions will be redeemed. And when I have happy coincidences, when I catch a glimpse of God's providence at work, it just reminds me of the ever-present hands of God that are undergirding us. Um, Martin Luther said providence is kind of like um, when, you remember the, like in the press, when you had to actually put the letters in, you put them in backwards. And he said providence is kind of like that. You have to read it backwards. And so we may not understand it. We may not see it. We may not fully grasp it now. But one day we will look back and see the providential hand of God undergirding our everydays. Um, So the second point is God in the foreshadows. So those of you who haven't had a literature lesson in a little while, don't panic. Foreshadows is just like a, it's like a a type, a symbol, a, a quick little peep at what's coming. And that's what we get here. We get this, this foreshadowing, this um, glimpse of, of God that's coming. And this, this story opens this chapter with Boaz, and it gives us um, details of who he is. And they're somewhat redundant, the details right now, because we will find out all of that information later in the story. But what the narrator is doing is he's priming us to the importance of this character. He's saying, hey, guys, look at this guy because of who he will foreshadow. Um, And Boaz is introduced as a man of worth and nobility. He's a man of standing. He's winsome. He's godly. He's virtuous. He's honorable. And let's remember the context in which the story is unfolding. It's in the days of the judges, which were dark and terrible days. If you go back and read 
Some of the things that were happening in the days of the judges, they're absolutely despicable, which just makes him stand out all that more. Here's this man who doesn't reflect his culture, but reflects his savior. Um, and so Boaz, as, it will, as we'll see in the story, will be the kinsman redeemer from Bethlehem. That's who he'll be. But he's foreshadowing humanity's ultimate redeemer from Bethlehem. Um, and in this passage, Boaz offers Ruth three things. He offers her favor, provision, and protection. Um, and favor Favor is basically grace. It's just another word for grace. It's delight, it's compassion, it's unmerited benefit. Um, everybody wants favor, right? That's why at the photo booth props, there's always a little sign saying, I'm favorite. <laughs> everybody wants to be the favorite. Well, good news. You can be the favorite. God has lots and lots of favorites. Um, and Boaz, as the foreshadowing of Christ, just gives favor to Ruth. The passage opens when Ruth says, I'm going to go out and glean after him in whose sight I may find favor. She's looking for favor. And it closes with her saying, I have found favor in the comfort and kindness of Boaz. She says, I've found favor, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to me. Um, and this one is just for free. Don't ever underestimate the power of a kind word. Kind words can bring deep comfort to people. Um, and Christ, our better Boaz, extends ultimate favor to us by saving us. We're all saved the same way. It's all by grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, in his kindness and in his grace, purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son to forgive our sins. And he restores us to relationship with him so that he himself becomes our comfort. It's like Nick was saying earlier. He doesn't send down the tool via the the kid, he himself said, I'll be right over. Um, and then provision. We see provision for Ruth. Um, Ruth comes into this field early in the morning. She comes in empty-handed. And spoiler alert, she leaves at the end of the day carrying like 30 pounds of grain. Um, and it's just introducing, reintroducing, picking up again on this theme of full and empty, which we saw in the first chapter. There's just this juxtaposition of themes to highlight what God is at work at. And uh, we went away full and we came back empty, and she enters empty and she leaves full, and God is all about filling what is empty. Um, and Ruth comes into this field and she's humble, and she's very aware of her need. She asks to glean. She knows that she needs help. Um, the problem with us is we don't so much like to ask for help. We like to pretend that we're not poor. It's really hard to stand needy and empty-handed at the foot of the cross. Well, maybe may, I'll speak for myself. It's very hard for me to stand needy and empty-handed. I try to throw in a few good works and a couple of, uh, I'm not that bads, um, rather than just say, I'm destitute, I'm poor, I'm needy. Um, and then, so he provides grain for her, and then he says to her, and when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what these men have drawn. And if we keep with the idea of foreshadowing here, we can't help but think of the words of Jesus when he says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me, the source, the fountain, and let him drink, and rivers of living water will flow from his heart. The Holy Spirit, the great comforter, the God who walks alongside, will be given to us in abundance because our God is a gracious provider. Let me just tell you about this, this thing with Boaz about providing. 
Having resources to provide and be generous doesn't just happen. It's something we have to plan for. Um, the best way I can understand it is, is that they were instructed to sow in squares, but harvest in circles. So the edges of the field, the margins, had extra for the people who were poor and needy. Now, very few of us are going to go out tonight and sow a field. But in all of our lives, we need to make sure that there are margins that we have extra to give to those who are poor and those who are needy. Um, and Boaz provides for the poor, and it cost him something. It cost him to provide. But Christ, our ultimate Boaz, paid the ultimate price to provide for our needs. And then he offers her protection. Um, so Ruth was the, among the most at risk of populations. Remember we said those days were lawful and, and sinf- lawless and sinful, um, and she was a despised foreigner and a vulnerable widow. She was the most at risk you could possibly be. In fact, Boaz intervenes for her and says, I've told the young men not to touch you. She was completely, completely vulnerable and at risk. And I don't, I, I don't have time to kind of unpack this in any way, but statistically speaking, in a room of more than six people, somebody in some way has been violated when they were vulnerable. Um, And I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry and that that was wrong and that was evil. Um, But there is hope because our God is a God who restores and brings healing masterfully. Um, So Ruth was defenseless and she was vulnerable. Boaz intervenes and he instructs her. Um, So let me just kind of speak to this idea of instruction. Boaz says to her, stay in this field. Stay with my young woman. Don't go wandering off there. And in our culture, immediately we kind of start bristling a little bit. I'm like, are you limiting my freedoms? Uh, Are you telling me what to do? Because you're not the boss of me. You know, it's just, it's our culture. It just, we just kind of bristle here a little bit. But God has given us instructions for our protection and for our well-being. Um, I'll tell you a little story here. My, my tiny little Erin, who is the most delightful human being, was a little bit of a spitfire as a kid. Um, and I didn't know that she was going to make it to five. <laughs> I just didn't. She was a runner and a climber. Um, and so one night we went to prayer meeting in the Civic Center. And those of you not familiar with the building, it's, it's, um, it's a circular building, so the, it's open in the middle. Does that make sense? It's an atrium, so it's open in the middle. And so we got up to the top of the third floor, and I, as I, was my custom, I looked for all the points of exit, and I was like, okay, nope, she can't get out. The only escape is the elevator, so I'm watching the elevator. And then I watched this little clever, resourceful human being run over to the other side of the circle, hop onto a bench, climb over the ledge, and stand in a flower pot three stories up. Let me tell you, did I have some instructions for her? <laughs> Don't do that. It's not going to go well for you to stand on a flower pot three stories up. Did I restrict her freedom? Yes, I did, for her well-being. And sometimes when we feel the restrictions of God, we have to remember. It's because it's not going to go well with us if we don't follow. Um, and so we need to heed the instruction of the Word of God. Um, and Boaz intervenes for Ruth. He gives her a place to belong. Stay here. Stay in this field. Stay with this foreigner, this person who had nowhere. Stay here. 
you'll be safe. This is where you belong. And Christ, our bitter Boaz, says, you belong to me. You belong to me. Stay here with me. And I will protect your very soul by guarding your salvation through faith. And then the last point um, is us in the shadow of his wings. And Boab, Boab, Boaz, <laughs> um, speaks this blessing over Ruth. He, he prays it out loud and he says, The Lord repay you, in verse 12, for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And Boaz is an agent of help to Ruth. He is. But he reminds her that her ultimate help, her ultimate hope, her ultimate refuge is in the Lord, her God. And this idea of refuge means that you come to another in an act of trust and, and hope when you need help, when you need protection. It's vulnerable. Um, but the shadow of, of his wings, it's just such a beautiful picture that's kind of peppered throughout Scripture. Um, and it's this idea of a, of a bird kind of gathering her, her little chicks in close to her heart and kind of covering them um, with her wings. She comforts them and, and she protects them. And as, we, as I look through the Psalms in, in, where it talks about the shadow of God's wings, it's there that we find shelter. It's under his wings that we find protection. It's under his wings we find safety. That's where we find sanctuary. Under his wings is where we find our help. And under his wings is where we find rest. Band, you can come up. Um, I just want to read from Psalm 91, which just is such a wonderful picture um, of the shadow of his wings. And it says, those who live, those who live, those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. And I trust him, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wing. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Boaz says to Ruth, God is your hope and trust and refuge. And Christ, our better Boaz, is himself our refuge and the rock of our salvation. Let's pray. God, we choose you as our place of refuge. Help us, God, to become aware and to repent quickly when we seek comfort and relief and provision and protection from pseudo-saviors. Thank you, God, that when we are tired or afraid, when we're lonely or tender, we can press in next to your heart and hide ourselves entirely beneath your wing. Thank you that we can dwell in safety, happy in the loving favor of the Lord. Thank you that in this place, we experience your provision and your protection. And thank you that you speak kindly to our hearts as you draw us close to yours.
Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.